did a little experiment in preparation for this homily. I took the, uh, the readings and went into chat GPT and just said, come up with a homily based on these readings. And maybe you're familiar with what chat GPT is, but it's remarkable. So this company, OpenAI, basically made an artificial intelligence chatbot that you can just put anything in. And I mean, it gives like a remarkable answer. And maybe by the end of, at the end of this homily, you'll think, wish we would have gotten the AI homily. Deacon Terry heard it, so he could be the judge of that. But, um, but it's remarkable, you know, and so I just put this in and in 10 seconds, it spit out a well thought out, sensible homily based off the readings that made it in some ways relevant or at least particular for today. I mean, it's remarkable. And you think about all the possibilities here and what this is going to mean for life. I mean, you think about just educators, right? People who are teaching others, you know, writing a five paragraph essay will never be the same when you can just ask a robot to do it. Or even all the different jobs that will probably be different because of this, whether that is somebody who has to prepare a lesson and just you know, come up with a ninth grade geometry lesson about sine, cosine, and tangent, and it, boom, there it is. So it's kind of remarkable, extraordinarily powerful. And, uh, and even to think about all the different things in my own life that this could be, you know, like just come up with an RCA class about the importance of confession. Boom, there it is. And so maybe I'm out of a job, I don't know, and I'm scared about all of that. That's always possible. But as I was reading this and just I gave it a couple other like prompts of just things with my own day to day life, I was it, it did, as powerful as it was and as sensible as everything that came out was, there was a little sense of I was thinking, what if I did this my whole life? What if every single homily was written by a computer? What if every aspect of life was just done like this? I thought, what would actually happen to me? I, I wondered if I would just become a very boring person. It, maybe I'm already there, but that's neither here nor there. I, like, you think about how dull we could become if all that we do is we simply consume, right? we simply take in whatever is given to us, and there's no creativity in our own lives, right? If there's no output of something we actually create, I wonder if we'll just become a bit dull. Right, we'll all become a bit boring. We'll become robots or cyborgs or something where we, we lose our personality. We lose our creativeness. And you can even think about this in, in regards to music and just how we live our lives. So much of music is something that we consume, right? We can have earbuds in for eight hours in a day and just consume music rather than create it. Right? Rather than sitting down at a piano and creating it ourselves or gathering as a family and singing a song together, whatever it may be, that there's this lack of creativity that's possible for us, you know, in this kind of AI wormhole that all of society is about ready to go down, that we could lose, and in some ways we'll just lose our humanity and all of that. And part of bringing this up is, you know, as we have this, this graduation mass for all of you who are being sent out into the world, and part of what you're sent out to do is to be creative, is to not let your own personality be dulled by whatever, you know, whatever way we can become dull people, is that become alive in Christ and to be creative and to go out into the world to offer the world something. And that's what graduation in some ways is about. Of course, it's the end of your formal studies in high school, but it's the, ought to be the beginning 
of something new, of going out to the world to offer the world something creative. And even as we we hear these readings, you know, the the second reading, St. Peter says to always be ready to give a reason for our hope, to always be ready to give a reason for our hope. And of course, we could just punch that in to a chat robot and say, well, why should I be hopeful today? And we'll get some generic facts about world poverty on the decline or maybe about, you know, science's ability to, to cure diseases or whatever it may be. And maybe those are reasons for hope. But in some ways, that reading, always be prepared to give a reason for our hope, assumes that we actually have hope. And St. Peter's assuming a whole lot that life is worth living, that we ought to have some sort of motivating factor in our life and that we should get up and get out of bed every morning. That's assuming a lot, right? Maybe not always what we feel every day. And so we, we in some ways, if we're going to have to give a reason for our hope, personally, we have to engage with that, right? Personally, we have to ask ourselves internally, is there a reason for hope? Is there a reason to get out of bed every morning? Are we just going to kind of go through the day, just checking off the task list, maybe punching in whatever tasks we have to do to some sort of robot that'll just kind of make our life easy street. And that's a huge thing that all of us have to wrestle with, with our lives. Do we just kind of do, do we just consume what's given to us or do we engage interiorly and come out with a reason for our hope? And that's the only place that hope can come from is not from a ready-made answer, but actually something that comes deep inside of us, that is alive in our own humanity. And it's what this gospel reading presents to us. Because this gospel is very, it's very personal, and it's very intimate, and it's very tender. And it's Jesus' Last Supper discourse. So in the Gospel of John, and only in the Gospel of John, we get for like four chapters of the Bible, Jesus having this kind of intimate conversation with his apostles before he dies. And so he has this long conversation with them. And that's and it's very intimate and it's very tender. And even we hear in the gospel, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you and I will dwell in you and the father and I will dwell in the father and you will dwell in me. Right. There's this deep connection that Christ wants his disciples to experience something interior, something intimate, something, something very, very personal. And even as we hear these words, it's, it's almost like they come from a mother. And it's almost like they come from somebody who deeply cares for us, which I think is really interesting for the Gospel of John. Because you think who John is, right? John is the beloved disciple. That is, Jesus was hanging on the cross He was told, Mary was told to John, behold your son. And then John was told towards Mary, behold your mother. And so John lived with Mary for the rest of Mary's life. And you can imagine as John is kind of going through all the different things that happened in Jesus's life, all the miracles that happened, all the things that Jesus taught, all the struggles that he had with the Pharisees. Mary probably would have reminded him of particular things, right? Mary would have said, well, Don't forget that one, John. Don't forget all of those intimate things that Jesus told you at the Last Supper. And maybe that's why they all ended up in this part of John's gospel and nowhere else in the gospel. Because there was a mother reminding John of the tender, intimate, personal things that Jesus said. 
And isn't that how a mother behaves? And how do we, and you know, if a mother wants to tell her child something, needs to remind her child of something, the answer a mother gives is never that of an AI robot. What a mother offers a child is something personal. Doesn't even give the same answer to, both, to multiple children, right? Each child gets a particular answer, gets something intimate that a mother responds to. And in some ways, maybe that's how we have a reason for our hope, is that there has been something intimate, something personal that's happened in our own lives, in our own hearts, that we have shared, that we're able to share with others. And for our graduates, that's maybe something on this, as you enter in this, you know, your graduation next week, that you think about. All of the personal moments that have happened, maybe with your own mothers, how they've encouraged you, how they've guided you, how they've shaped you, but maybe with a particular teacher or a mentor or somebody that has guided you along the path, and maybe it's a father too, but to have and hold in your heart all of those intimate personal moments of the last 12 or 13 years of education and to know it's those things that help us to go out into the world. Because when we experience that personally, right, when we experience whether it's the love of a mother or whether it's the personal affection of Jesus Christ, it's that that gives us a reason for hope. It's that that gives us not a cardboard or just a kind of an AI answer with lacking personality, right, lacking humanity to it. But we have to have that inside of us. We have to first have encountered love, experienced love, and known love before we're able to give a reason for our hope, as long as that, unless we want that reason to just be something that's spit out by a robot. You know, I've, I've made a, a handful of trips towards Cincinnati as just the years go on, and one of the things I've noticed is you go south on I-75 towards Cincinnati, there's a hospital just north of I-275, which wraps around Cincinnati, and there's a big old billboard on this hospital, and it's been the same billboard for like a decade. And on that billboard, it says, in science lives hope. Which, to, you know, tip a hat to it, my dad battled cancer 17 years ago, and he's still alive today because science figured out that radiation and chemotherapy helps with the battle with cancer. So there's some things that science gives that's wonderful. Yet, if all of our hope is only in science, or only in technology, or only in something that we consume, I don't know how much it will be able to motivate our lives. I don't know if we'll get out of bed every morning because of that. Maybe the real hope is the love that we've encountered, is the fact that Jesus Christ suffered and died for us, and our lives exist beyond just this world, that you and I, all of us, were created for heaven. We were created for an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what our hope is grounded in. And if we live in that hope, and if we experience that love, our lives will not be robotic. Our lives will be dynamic, will be full of personality, be full of the love of Jesus Christ. And it's a choice of how we live for each and every one of us. Do we allow the love that we receive to shape us And then we're willing to go out into the world to be creative, to give a reason for our hope. Would we just kind of scoot through life as robots?
The choice is given to all of us. The choice is given to our graduates as to how we live our lives. Do we live it with love and opening the world that we, that we encounter to hope? Or don't we? Jesus Christ gives us so many tender things, gives us so many powerful words. May they change our lives. May they transform our hearts. May we be generous in sharing with the world the hope that we have received.